Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, celebrity gossip enthusiasts. I'm Us Weekly's entertainment director, Travis Cronin, and you're listening to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. Today, as always, I am so lucky to be joined by my two co-hosts, the diamond of this fashion season, Gwen Flamberg. Oh, I shine bright, don't I, Trav? Thank you. Hi, guys. Hello, and the woman who says life can't always be boats and rosé, but it should be, Sarah Huron. Hi, Travis. You write a new tagline for me every week. It's such an honor. I do. You should be. And, you know, call me Dr. Wendy because I am filled with both happy and Ness because we have Danny Pellegrino on the show. Hello. Everything iconic and the new book. How do I unremember this? Unfortunate true stories. Thanks for joining us today, Danny. Thank you, Travis. And one thing I will never unremember is Dr. Wendy on The Real House of Potomac <laughs> calling her breasts happy and Ness. So thank you for that lovely introduction. You're welcome. I hope a visual of her pole dancing with her braids and her exposed thong also comes to memory because don't forget the back. She had that done too. It's rude not to mention it. Well, today we have Royal Babies, a Royal Memorial, A-list beef that will never die. And the most controversial boob job of 2022, says the courts of New York. But first, let's start with our woes of the week. These are the stories that made our hosts grab their proverbial pearls and just pull back aghast. Gwen Flamberg, what made you go woe this week? Well, guys, I'm not sure if anybody else is following International Fashion Month as I have, but one Julia Fox, you may remember her from dating Kanye West just about a week or so ago. Uncut jams. <laughs> she uh, hit the diesel show in Milan, and lo and behold, her makeup was wild and crazy, just as it had been when she was in Paris for Couture Week with Kanye. But instead of her very heavy, crazy eyes being black, which Kanye did for her at the Scaparelli show. Shout out Crayola. Are white. (laughs) They are white, angelic. Is this an Easter egg? Is she trying to say that she's all lightness and angel wings? Since the split, I don't know, but it made me go, well. And guys, if you haven't seen the pictures, you know what to do. Go to usmagazine.com slash stylish to see every celebrity street style pick from Milan and all through Fashion Month. I love a hidden message. (laughs) Even if we're making it up. (laughs) Right. Doesn't matter. Da Vinci Code or Julia Fox equal in my eyes. Yeah, I don't see any difference. (laughs) Sarah Huron, what made you go well this week? Well, I don't know if you guys have been watching Celebrity Big Brother, but I was very obsessed. Even though everyone's calling it like the worst season ever, I thought that made it even more fun to watch because not one celebrity in this house besides Todd Call even knew what Celebrity Big Brother was. Also, Shanna Mochler. And the finale was last night and it was great. They were all super shady. Todrick's been getting all this crap because he was talking about Shana's appearance on the live feeds. He was talking about Chris Kirkpatrick's son. Like he was just being the worst. And the jury got their their justice when they voted for Misha and Todrick only got one vote. But now poor Shana, we need more justice for Shana because her crazy, my words, boyfriend, Matthew, 
took over her Instagram at like 7.30 LA time, posted on her feed this crazy four minute video in which he uses not very nice language to describe her, accuses her of sleeping with the neighbor, says she's not over Travis Barker. Um, We've heard that Aswithi has confirmed with the Los Angeles Police Department that the police are at their house. I believe Matthew may have even been arrested by now in custody after this recording. And I feel really bad because a couple months ago, when all this Kravis stuff was playing out, we were all like, Shanna Mochler, she's jealous. This is like not great. And now it's like, wow, justice for Shanna. She needs a real man and she should have won America's favorite player on Big Brother. She was so great on Big Brother too. I, I I fell in love with her for the first time on that show. I didn't know much about her before that. Yeah. And on Meet the I've gone back and watched some episodes of Meet the Barkers on YouTube as a, as a journalist does. And um, she definitely seems really sweet. And I feel like she's got the short end of the stick with this whole Kravis takeover thing. And now this like 29 year old guy being emotionally abusive on Instagram stories, let alone know who knows what there, what happens in private. Like I just, I'm hoping good things for Shayna. Me too. It sort of sounds like you're in the FBI chair and you're like, police are outside up. They're going in. So please provide us with live updates of the police cop situation. I will. Whatever you call them. <laughs> well, Danny Pellegrino, author of How Do I Remember This Unfortunate True Stories, what made you go woe this week? Okay, mine's not as scandalous, but I needed an outlet to get this out. So I feel like this is the right place. I saw the movie Dog with Channing Tatum, which I went into it. My friend and I were like, we're going to have a glass of wine, go see a matinee and have a good time. And I ended up like, I was sobbing. I was, I was emotional. I was happy. I was sad. I was all of the things Channing Tatum. There's this one scene, which this is not really a spoiler light, but there's uh, one scene where he's just in a white top, a white blouse, as I like to say, completely <laughs> wet from the rain, watching Grey's Anatomy with a dog. And I thought, is there anything more that we need from the movie? No. So I loved it. And I hope people see it. I had totally like no to low expectations <laughs> and uh, it, it blew me away. I just thought it was it was fantastic. And so I hope that I hope that people give it a shot. Well, I know you not actually sent my dog this dog pillow with Channing Tatum holding this that says, I woof you. I mean, come on, Travis. <laughs> I know. I'll send it over to you. You need uh, this. You loved I it. it. I need it. Oh my yeah. God. So, so thank you, Channing. They came addressed to my dog from Channing Tatum's dog. So thank you to Channing Tatum. I do have a question about this movie, though. I've seen the promos and the promo just states like Channing Tatum has a dog. Like, is there plot in this film? I mean, I think that's enough if okay. you ask me, Sarah, but there is a plot. There's a plot. Okay. And on the poster, because every time I mention this movie to friends, they're like, I can't see it because the dog dies. But I have to say on the poster, it says the dog doesn't die. So that's a, a you know, that's something to go into the movie knowing. I hope that's not a spoiler because they put it on the poster, but I feel like people don't know that. I feel like a lot of people, you think, oh, I don't want a really sad movie in that way. So, yeah. Wow. 10 out of 10 recommends dog just for the scene with the, with Grey's Anatomy and (laughs) And by the way, Travis, I don't have a dog right now, but I will put my head on that pillow if you send it. There you go. You can rub against Channing Tatum's <laughs> chest in his black blouse. Wouldn't it be the first time I did that uh, <laughs> on a printed object of Channing Tatum, but that's neither here nor there. We were all teenagers once. I get it. Well, the story that made me go, whoa, this week is about the crown. We haven't heard a lot about the crown, except they've been having troubles filming. Um, But yesterday, about $200,000 worth of gemstones, silverware and antiques were stolen from the set. One stolen item was a replica of a rare Fabergé egg that belonged to Queen Elizabeth II's grandfather, George V, in 1933, a way throwback. A candelabra, jewelry, a grandfather clock, and a birdcage were among the goods. Police were called the scenes and have been hunting for the robbers. But like, what a strange flex to steal crown jewels that are props from a set. Like, are these just, you know, women of varying ages who want to get their hands on these props? Because I can't imagine imagine these fake gemstones and uncut gems are worth a lot of money. It's a no for me. Well, I, I think us- we need an Ocean's 9 about this. You know, we, we got Ocean's 8, which that's all I'm thinking about is Ocean's 8 as you're telling that story. And I feel like we never got the sequel to that. And this sounds, I don't know how they work it. Someone else above my pay grade can figure that out. But I'd like to see Sandra Bullock do something with us. Okay, I'm back in. I'm totally. back in after that idea. <laughs> 
the Listen, rolling middle management, egg is good. middle management, like crown friends who just want tchotchkes for their apartment. And that is the motivation <laughs> for everything. We need sconces, ladies. Grab them. Let us bust into some of the news. Well, Skeet Davidson has been shaded once again by Kanye West. Now, Pete has re-deactivated his Instagram account that didn't have any photos or videos or anything on his feed, but still had hundreds of thousands of followers. I get it, but I also don't get it. And did he sort of threw shade back at Kanye West sort of about time? He added a YouTube video to his Lincoln bio of Rupert Poopkin, um, who was Robert De Niro, um, the Kings of Comedy performance. And in the clip, it said, better for a king, better to be a king for a night than a schmuck for a lifetime. Fans believe this clip was a message for Kanye, who has, of course, been targeting Kim, Pete, and really anyone else who goes into his path. Um, this YouTube video was originally posted in 2016, and then all of the comments section are discussing Pete throwing shade at Kanye. Now, what do we think? Do we think this is just Pete sharing his favorite video, or do we think it's something more? There's I mean, always a hidden meeting, right? I mean, there's yeah. always some, like we talked about, we love a hidden meeting, and there has to be. I mean, especially someone who's so inactive on Instagram to post something like that in their profile. It's like obviously sending some sort of message. I want to know what the message was of why the first two people he decided to follow were Kim and Sebastian Stan. <laughs> well, like, obviously, uh, he is watching Pam and Tommy. Tommy. Blue vehicle. Oh. Yes, that is giving. I'm everything. so stupid. How did I not know? <laughs> okay, it's okay. I mean, listen. If you're if you've seen Sebastian Stan's penis talk, then you might want to follow him too. Okay, fair. He's still Carter from Gossip Girl to me, so I need to check out Pam and Tommy. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Oh, Sarah, do yourself a favor. I, I know. know it's good. I liked it. I liked. It. Yeah, I liked it, too. Right now, this morning, in addition to, you know, trying to be a cop with Shanna Mochler, I also had to pretend to be a lawyer (laughs) reading um, Kim Ye's new divorce documents that were 155 pages long. And oh, my God, like I just Kim really, really wants to be divorced and I get it. And she's basically begging the court, like if you declare us legally single, maybe my estranged husband will understand that that means we are never, ever, ever getting back together. Um, and she's talking, accusing him of like emotional distress with these Instagram posts. She's like, I've done everything I can to try to keep this private. And Kanye West will not let me. Um, there, His team filed these documents that are trying to make it difficult for Kim to get remarried if that happens down the line. There's so much mess there. And I just, I'm, I've been team Kim forever and I'm more team Kim than ever. And I need, I need Kanye to just like back off. You know, it was the Taylor reference for me in that, Sarah, I really appreciated that one. I just feel bad for everybody involved in this story. I mean, Kim, obviously, from what I read, and I did not read all 150 (laughs) pages of that uh, decree, but she just seems really at wit's end to make this happen and to move on. I feel bad for Kanye because he is mentally ill and he's not handling this um, in a rational way. And I wish that his handlers would try to do something. I've known some of them through the years, and I know that it's very, very difficult to intervene in any way (laughs) with his desires. But none of this looks good on his end. And there are four children involved here. And I feel most bad for Pete Davidson, who, you know, should be just living his best life with that body, yaddy, yaddy. And it's he's just it's it's not none of it is good none of it is good for any yeah, of these people I, I don't imagine that when pete started dating kim and obviously you can't control the ones that you love but it's like i, I can't imagine the stress and everything that he's experienced going into this whole ordeal because he just started dating someone and then not only is it on such a public platform but then all these other layers to it you know with with kanye it's just it's tough to watch it is very tough to watch and a source told us close to Kim Kardashian early this week, that the two of them do have a prenup. They have all of their assets divided already. That is not gonna be a contentious part of it. They have agreed to custody, but the only thing that Kanye is dragging his heels about is her getting remarried, which is, I don't know if you've seen Fear with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, but the this roller coaster is scene. the roller Forever coaster. Is, absolutely. It reminds, it's very, it's very that a story as old as time, uh, an ex semi abusive, mentally incapacitated boyfriend, not letting up on his wife. It's 
Can I ask a question? Um, how How is he saying you can't get remarried or what is the block there? What is he trying to block exactly? I'm confused. Legal expert Sarah Huron, please. <laughs> Subsection me, two. Well, my favorite part of the documents are the part where they said, quote, they are both independently wealthy. So like you said, Travis, they have all of their prenup stuff from the from 2014 in stone. But Kanye's team is doing whatever they can, pretty much from my understanding, to make it difficult for this divorce to go through. So while Kim, quote, seeks relief from West's bitterness and unhappiness, um, they think that he is his opposition to Miss Kardashian's request to be restored to the status of a single person has little of anything to do with the property or sufficiency of approved conditions and everything to do with the fact that he does not want their marriage to end. Her team also suggests that his goal is to prevent or make it difficult for Kardashian to remarry in the future, calling his request to waive all marital privileges should she remarry unprecedented. Now, I'm Noelle Woods, but I would say that they are just going out of their way to make this divorce difficult so Kanye can like hang on to this marriage um and which is kim's team is doing everything they can to stop that and have the i am l woods and i object (laughs) because that is just it's so uncute and so bitter to stop the person that you used to love from declaring themselves single from getting married like that's the hill you're dying on to stop them from moving on bitter betty and there's four kids it's just icky a lot of the stuff is icky i mean the valentine's day stuff where with the public um, post that Kanye did of delivering oh, the flowers yeah. and stuff like that. I, I think, I don't know if in his, in his mind, he's thinking that's like a, a great way to win him back. But I think most of the public is just looking at that as very uh, icky. Yeah. Desperate. Yeah. And it said crystal clear with two K's on the side of that pickup truck. That is what I remember. The decals crystal clear with K's. I mean, I I, I actually have no words for that. Well, Sarah Heron, can you tell us why Corey Gamble, former bodyguard to Justin Bieber and friend of P. Diddy also got involved in this? Yeah, I can. I mean, speaking of the alliteration, though, I just want to point out real quick that um, Travis, uh, not Travis, Tristan's baby mama um marley announced her baby's name and it's theo and i was like theo four letter word starts with t true four little word starts with t throwing that out there anyway yeah Corey gamble um there was a report over the weekend that Corey gamble was uh, an alleged video of him cheating on chris jenner um from everything i understand it was not Corey gamble in the video but that did not stop kanye west from sharing the report on his instagram and calling out Corey. and now he's threatening him and i don't i don't know why he has such beef with Corey gamble but he seems to really be angry with him it is. And Hollywood Unlocked is having a rough week. They oh, tweeted that the queen yes. was dead with sources close to the royal kingdom, which isn't even what you say about I it. I mean, that it was just ridiculous. I read that post. They said the queen was supposed to go to British Vogue editor-in-chief <laughs> Edward Edenfall's wedding. Yeah, did the yes. queen do that, Gwen? Never. And by the way, like, yes, the only fact that was true in that was that Edward Edenfall was getting married on that day. But even if he had extended an invitation to Queen Elizabeth to come to his wedding, which he may have done. It was never thought that she would attend a wedding of a commoner, uh, not to mention that the poor woman had tested positive for COVID. She's no (laughs) Boris Johnson. She ain't going to party after she had been diagnosed. Uh, the whole it's thing was fiction. ridiculous. Yes. It was fan total fiction. fan fiction. And Hollywood Lock did post the video of Corey Gamble as well, which is the connection. So yeah, tough week over there. <laughs> oh my God. Well, maybe they need to check their sourcing. Or, you know, honestly, what I took away from all of these things that happened this week for Hollywood Unlocked is that we're in a time where how did all of this trend on Twitter? It was all fake news. And how does this happen now? Well, I think with Twitter, everyone's also trying to like get their own hot takes mm. on all of this stuff. So oftentimes people just quote retweet something they see with their own opinion on it. And then it just spreads like wildfire. And it is amazing how everything can spread so quickly nowadays. And and then oftentimes I think of there's people like us who are on Twitter all day long, or at least me, I'm, I'm yeah. checking it constantly, refreshing my feed. But I think there's a large segment of the population who maybe just checks it once a day. They see one thing. They don't see the follow-up of like, that's not real or that's not true or something. And so it just, they're at a dinner party telling their friends about this story that they believe to be true. And then it just keeps on spreading. It's impossible almost to take it back once it's out to the world. 
Right. So well, true. Luckily, Thank God there's people, fact checkers like us. God, there's people that listen to this podcast. So you will be humiliated at a birth at a dinner party when you're like, the queen has died of COVID. She was supposed to attend a common wedding as she always does. Kicks off her heels, puts on the complimentary flip flops and just dances at commoners weddings. It's a lesson to us all. Always listen to the Us Weekly podcast because that's where you Thank get you, the Danny. stories. You get the all hot time. takes on Housewives on Everything Iconic and you get the very important breakdowns of court documents and the queen social calendar on hot hollywood podcast it's all important yes it is well in more royal news kate middleton wants another kid question mark well kate middleton uh joked about prince william's worries about her spending time with babies because it makes her want more of her their own she met with parents and their young children young children on tuesday with her first solo royal tour in denmark since covid and she revealed that she sometimes considers having a fourth child it makes me very broody kate middleton admitted to researchers from copenhagen infant mental health project during a visit to the university of copenhagen she says william always worries about me meeting under one-year-olds i come home saying let's have another one uh and then william said earlier don't don't give my wife any ideas uh, in January when she was holding a cute little baby. And he, she, while she was holding, says, don't take her with you. Uh, Tuesday was not the first time that Kate Middleton described herself as quote unquote broody. During a 2019 visit to Northern Ireland, she used the term while meeting a five month old boy, baby number four. The tot's father asked at the time and she replied, I think William would be a little worried. This is like such a stereotypical like heteronormal back and forth about like oh she wants another baby but william's not gonna allow it i i that's what i feel so i can't really tell if there's any truth to this or it's just very 50s tim keeping his wife in check from wanting all the babies it definitely feels like an episode of king of queens to me totally for sure <laughs> that's a good name for it honestly too Wait, I just have to say, I mean, like Kate Middleton, do whatever you want. I love royal babies. Just like announce it at a convenient time for me personally. That's all I ask of the royal family at all times. Um, But it just just to segue a little bit into Danny's book, I know we're going to talk about it. But the way you just like pull out your pop culture references, which anyone who listens to your podcast knows that in this book, the way you go from like describing something that happened in your childhood that was like a really defining moment or like your coming out story. And then all of a sudden we're quoting Coyote Ugly. Like it was just perfectly balanced. Can you tell me a little bit about like how you decided how like when you put those in and when like to keep it serious? Because I thought it was perfectly executed. But is that like a thing you were constantly thinking about? Gosh, Sarah, you are such a pro the way you just pivoted from that story. I am just so incredibly impressed. And I thank you for it because we're, uh, we want people to buy the book. Yes. Um, But yes, no, thank you so much for saying that. I've always been a pop culture junkie. And so uh, one of the interesting things was when I was writing this book, I, w- I would uh, send my editor a chapter. And there was one point where I was like, is this, are, are there too many pop culture references? Because you're right. There would be, you know, a coyote ugly reference, my best friend's wedding. And then I don't know, Garfield or something. I, it was just jam packed. And I was like, is this too much? And my editor is like, no, that's you just lean into it. And other people will, who love the same things as you will like it too. And so uh, one of the things we had talked about was like, if you don't get the reference on page seven, maybe you'll get the one on page eight. And for, mm-hmm. for pop culture junkies like ourselves, I think, uh, part of the fun hopefully is remembering some of those moments or, or movies, TV shows, toys, books, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's referenced in the book. So I, I had fun sort of jam packing it with those references. And I, I think there are a, a lot of them also- are mostly nostalgic too. Totally. Sorry, it's also yeah. just no worries. It's so much fun because it makes everybody realize that like something didn't happen for them. And like, you know, a lot of, I think the younger generation are criticized a lot for thinking that they created these trends, but it's just so great to tie it back to something. And it just shows that like, we're all the same. We can all love the same things. And I think it actually like really ties a lot of what's happening now to what happened then. And like just bringing the generations together. You're doing God's work, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I really do believe like pop culture is the great unifier. So especially during these times where we're also sort of disconnected, I think it's always easy enough to connect with someone on their favorite movie or TV show or something. You know, most of my family lives in Ohio and and some of them, we might have different political views or whatever, but uh, oftentimes you still want to be able to have a relationship with them. And I think something that's easy enough to spark a conversation is, is movies or TV. And just recently I was talking to my mom and 
I was like, what are your favorite movies? Like, I want to sit and watch your favorite ones. Because when I was growing up, we watched my dad's favorite movies, but never really my mom's. I had two older brothers. So we would watch the Caddyshacks and uh, <laughs> Vacation, Animal House. Um, and I, so I talked to my mom and she gave me like the way we were and love story and some of her favorite things. So I watched them and then we had such like a wonderful conversation about them afterwards. And, uh, I think it was just, she, she felt so excited that I liked some of the things and, and it just made me remember like how important that is to connect with each other on, on that stuff, especially when we so often just want to fight with each other about this is my opinion on that and, and this. And Tyra Banks can keep us all together from atop that bar with that red hair. I believe in her. Travis, Tyra Banks can heal the world. I mean, honestly, some of the moments that she's given us throughout the years, I could go on and on. How long is this podcast? We could talk top model. We could talk about her talk show, which was unhinged in the best of ways. Unhinged. Yeah. I mean, when she pretended to die, I mean, who could forget <laughs> that moment? I say to my fiance all the time, I'm like, I only have one photo because you did not deserve a photo. <laughs> all the time that he takes a bad photo of me. I wow. Oh, that show was wild. 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 It was. I get a rush just thinking about some of the things that happened on there. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, well, thank God TikTok is delving it from the ages and shaming them for all the right reasons. It's true. And TikTok and all these social media platforms are making these moments live on. I mean, we talk about Tyra Banks and there's so many of her moments that I don't think will ever go away. They're now in the zeitgeist forever in memes and and internet culture. And to Kiss steal my fat ass. Oh yeah, literally. To steal Travis probably transition you're coming up with. I know you want to talk about Wendy. So if we're talking about, you know, talk show hosts. I do. I do. Well, Wendy Williams was my radio DJ growing up that I would listen to all the time after high school. So I feel such uh like sense of protection about her. Sort of. She sort of made it really hard in the last coming years. <laughs> Yesterday it was announced that after 14 seasons on the air, the Wendy Williams show is coming to an end as the host continues to very, very much struggle with her health. However, Wendy Williams has since responded to her representative statement online in a move that seemingly calls into question the fate of her daytime show. Now, there was an official announcement yesterday. Howard Bragman sent a message on behalf of Wendy, said it's been a challenging time for Wendy as she deals with health, health issues. She is incredibly grateful to Debmar Mercury and Sherry and everyone else who has supported the show through the time. She more than anyone understands the reality of syndicated television. La la la, please giving us our money. She's not going to be here anymore. However, Wendy Williams took to Instagram to write, Mr. Bragman, although I appreciate your concerns and respect you immensely, I have not authorized you to make statements upon my behalf regarding my current status with Debmar Mercury. Again, thank you for your continuing concern and support. Bragman has since released another public statement in regards to the post on the newly created Instagram account saying that Sherry Shepard will be taking over. Now, this wouldn't be a Wendy Williams show without Shady back and forth. And how is that for Wendy Iconic Shade? Even on the way out, she is tearing the walls down, letting them have it. Good luck to Sherry Shepard. You know, you yeah. got to stay on brand. And Wendy did with that exchange. It's been a really like very, very tough couple of years for Wendy. But I do have to say, you know, as happens often in pop culture history, as she became more unhinged, so did her wigs. <laughs> very, was, very, I didn't think we were going there right now. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. But. Yeah, me either. But well, I, I have in, in my head, you know, of course, I have to do my shameless plugs. But on the current episode of our beauty podcast, Glam Squad Confidential, we do talk about the best and worst um, moments in beauty and fashion and TV right now. And so, I, you know, I have been thinking about this, how, the worst you know, as exactly like as characters become more unhinged, it really shows in their beauty. Huh. There's still so many questions with the Wendy situation too, that I think I, I'm so excited to hear, hopefully at some point, like what was going on behind the scenes, whether that be from Wendy or some of the producers, because even the public statements that the show and that Howard and Wendy and people have been making, I, I don't think they add up. And I don't, I don't know that we're getting a full, I mean, I know we're not getting a full story of what was going on there behind the scenes. And so I hope one day we learn because I think there's much more to it than what they're telling us. Absolutely. I'm 
absolutely worried we're never going to know because she did that lifetime movie about her life her and kevin hunter had such a contentious relationship i've had many sources on the show tell me stories that i cannot repeat on here that were horrible and the lifetime movie didn't show even a snippet of that so i'm a little unlike britney spears i'm a little unsure of her telling her own story truthfully in the way that we want it to but danny you always talk about the view and sherry shepherd was on the view right Yes, she was on the beat for years. Yeah. And so I'm how do you feel for, about her taking over? I'm excited for Sherry to take over. I don't think anyone can necessarily fill Wendy's shoes. I think it'll be a different show. And I think the challenge going forward for Sherry is going to be to do her own show while also somehow filling the expectation of her filling the Wendy Williams seat. Because Wendy's sitting on that purple chair for 20 some minutes at the top of each show and giving her opinion, that is so much harder than I think people realize. And Sherry's fantastic. But I think viewers are going to go in both expecting Sherry to do the shoe cam and to do that 20 minutes of Hot Topics and to do almost the same show Wendy did. And she's either not going to live up to it or or she's going to pivot and try to take away a lot of those things. And then the viewers of Wendy are going to be pissed about that. So I almost feel like with the Sherry going forward, I don't know that there's a win-win for her. I think she's always going to be compared to that show. And if she, she does a hard pivot, people are going to be mad that she's changing the Wendy show. And so I think it's going to be impossible for her, but if there's anyone that could do it, maybe it's Sherry Shepard because I love her. Don't lose the shoe cam first and foremost, and maybe bring back season one, Wendy Williams, when she would take the notes from under her wig and she would take a Slim Jim and light it with a lighter for her little pre-show snack. That was my favorite. She did that the entire first season, the opening. She would take her notes out of her wig, take a Slim Jim, hit it with a lighter and have herself a little barbecue snack. Wow. Well, I want Not to have a bad snack. I might have that today. Yeah. I need to know about Norman. Is Norman going to be there? I don't know. Oh, Oh, yeah. I love Norman. I think they should keep Norman. Well, how you doing? Good luck to Sherry Shepard. <laughs> Danny, if you love Sherry and believe in her, then I will take a chance on little Sherry Shepard, the girl who can. I did. When I was in college, I wrote Sherry Shepard an email and she wrote me back because I loved her on Less Than Perfect. This was pre The View. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he wrote always- you back? She wrote me back. So I always have love in my heart for Sherry. She wrote me back in a fan letter in college. So there you go. <laughs> That's really sweet. It is. Do you know who else is sweet? Channing Tatum in a see-through wet blouse. Um, Bringing him back up. (laughs) Bringing him back up. I'm glad I'm not the one to do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Channing Tatum's nipples and physique should always be a topic of conversation. We love objectifying men just the same way we do women every day. So Channing, you're up. So he was on the Kelly Clarkson show this week and revealed that he is starving, starving himself and the dread that comes along with getting rid or getting his Mike, Magic Mike physique back. It was almost enough for him to turn down the third movie. Channing admitted that the brutal diet that he undergoes has become as lean as he is. To become as lean as he is on screen is the opposite of healthy, healthy, and he has to starve himself and work out twice a day before filming. Kelly says, you don't work out regularly all the time, she says. Even, and Channing said, even if you do work out, to be in that kind of shape is not natural. It's not even healthy. You have to starve yourself. I don't think that when you're that lean, it's that healthy for you. He says, why does it take two months to get lean, but like three days to lose it? What happened? It was just the weekend. And the thing he misses most is salt. Now, expert on Channing Tatum's body, Danny Pellegrino, what are your thoughts on (laughs) this? I am an expert. And I love Channing's body in any form. I like when he's in his Magic Mike shape, or I like when he's in his Dear John shape, or whatever shape that may be. Uh, However, I'm glad that we're all finally being honest and open about this, because when we see these Marvel bodies uh, on these men, and and Chris Hemsworth, who's stunning looking, and he's got this fitness app that he's saying, you know, do this fitness app. And I think people download the app and think they can suddenly look like this. But the fact is, it's like to look like that is a full-time job and they have nutritionists and trainers and people pulling the cupcakes out of their mouths and their hands. <laughs> and we don't all have that. And so it's, it's, they, I think for so long, we always talk about women's beauty standards. And I, I think we do start need to start talking about that male beauty standard with the rise of these Marvel projects and, and every single movie and these men having to have perfect bodies. You know, when I was in the, in the eighties and nineties, the, the action men, of course we did have people like Sylvester Stallone and, and 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we also had people like Bruce Willis, who was an action hero with a pretty, I don't want to say normal. normal. Yeah, like a, 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 yeah, nor, a, a normal or a more normal. Like stars just it, like us. Yeah, it looked like he worked out, but it didn't look like he spent the day in the gym. Right. And I think that now every single man on screen in any action film or whatever has to be completely ripped. And that's not normal for people or healthy. I don't even think it's, it's healthy exactly. for people. No, you're totally right. I remember when I interviewed David Gandhi, the British male supermodel, gorgeous. there aren't many of those so gorgeous, um, about getting ready for a shoot. And he told me that he stops drinking water for three days before a shoot so that his, you know, he can be so lean that everything pops out. And like, uh, that's super unhealthy, dude. Like hydration is key. So I, I, it's, I agree with you. I do think that beauty standards for men should be addressed. Let's do that. Let's do, let's take that. I'm going to take up that torch. Well, one, first of all, in Tori Spelling's book, which, you know, is something of uh, something I which reference one? quite often, the first one, yeah. okay. I think, or maybe the second yeah. one, it was storytelling or mommy would. She quotes us weekly and she says that she's like, yeah, I lied and said I started swimming to lose like my baby body, but really I just shut up and ate air. And that always stuck with me because it was like, at least Tori Spelling admitted in the book that she like lied to us weekly about how she lost the baby weight. Yeah. But it's like, why are we asking? It's hard because it's like a thing people want to know, but it's kind of gross. And it's, I like that. That Channing Tatum was admitting it openly like this sucks and normal people can't do this but also to do another transition Danny in your book you talk about <laughs> body image and stuff don't I mean I read that you talked about that even in the beginning from what I got to right like that's like one of the things you address yeah well I think I've always struggled with body image and I, I don't think there's a lot of men that talk about it and it was hard I didn't even open up about it maybe as vulnerably as I would have liked because I felt so vulnerable even just addressing it as much as I did. And I wish I was stronger enough to like completely lay out all of my own issues with, with body image and food and all of that kind of stuff. But I just don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I did try to address it as much as I could because I, yeah, I don't think men talk about it. And I think particularly in the gay community, a lot of gay men, they try to live up to these beauty standards and, and body types, and it is an impossible goal. And and it's not, I don't think it's healthy. And um, let's, let's yeah. get you and Channing on a panel together talking about uh, Gwen can, can moderate it on a, on a panel it. about male beauty standards. Yeah. yeah. And we it's the West Channing called the West Hollywood pool party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad though. Channing is finally just saying like, it's not healthy. It's not good. Stop yeah. it. And, I'm, that, and at the same time, I'm also very happy that we're getting him. Magic Mike 3. Mike 3. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Very happy about it. And I'm going to look and ogle and love it. So we will take any no body he gives us. Yes, we'll take any body he gives us. Sonia Morgan actually told me on the record, it's fine to say, and she lost 10 or 15 pounds. I was like, Sonia, you look great. You lost weight. She's like, oh yeah, I took Adderall in the morning. She's like, and then I have a cocktail by 4 p.m. And by 9 p.m., I'm ready for bed. And I've barely eaten anything at all. Oh my God. And I was like, thank you. I've done so many celebrity diets interviews and thank you for you being did honest. the Tori Spelling one where she lied about swimming I, I very much might have <laughs> um, I've talked to Tori so many times I couldn't even remember her you know talking about that BS of her losing <laughs> weight in the pool just because yeah. I know it's not true She's like I did four laps so I've, lost, yeah. I've snatched this body right yeah. back and the men's health magazines are always like how to get whatever the Marvel superhero is, how to get their body. And it's like, well, they're smoking and Adderall and, you know, whatever. Housewives love water pills, whatever those are. Oh, yeah. I used to use those back in the day. Wouldn't recommend at all, at all. And really all the I mean, when it comes to the housewives water pills, it's like all the signs are there. It's like we can clearly see how that person's acting after they have one glass of alcohol, one glass of wine or something. And yet we're all still sort of acting like it's not happening happening in front of us. We're like, oh, they just had too much to drink. It's like they had one glass of wine, but they're doing, you know. Yeah. To quote Kim Richards, have some bread. Maybe it calmed down. <laughs> it's true. We all need some bread to calm we down. We all need That's some the bread. Moral of the story. Yeah. I'm so glad we got through this intense story. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, Hiran, I'm going to let you pick what topic we're going to do next. There are two breakups. Are you going to tell us about the boob job of 22 or the opposing political side people who have broken up and have no love lost? I do kind of want to talk about Julia Hart's boob job because I don't know if I, I know Gwen, you watched, did everyone watch My Unorthodox Life? Because that show season one was 
interesting, but season two is going to be so much better because <laughs> this divorce is getting so messy. And in more court documents that I read, he is accusing her of using company funds to pay for her boob job and other cosmetic procedures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're season expensive. Two, season two, season two, like, let's go. I'm so excited. I mean, I when someone, that, yeah. oh, go ahead, Danny. Oh, sorry. I, I don't think season one got quite enough buzz and but they got just enough to come back for season two. And so now we're just really like leaning into the mess, I think, over there. Well, yeah. I think that, you know, the thirst to be a reality star and have a reality show, I think she floated the idea that she was willing to divorce her husband on camera, you know, and have her whole career blow up if the cameras could be there. Yeah. Yes, they could. She really has come out as a great reality star. She's got all the right makings of it. So thank you for Julia Hart for holding that torch of the messy reality show that we so desperately needed in our lives. It's so hard to stand out now with the reality show. I mean, we've been doing this for so many years and it's imp almost impossible to have a moment somebody hasn't seen before or have a storyline that people are talking about and um, obviously, we want everything to be OK with her, but it is interesting to me just taking her specific story out of the equation and just seeing how these shows in order to survive, they need a messy moment because we've yeah. seen so many come and go so quickly. And it's it's fascinating to watch certain people step up to that occasion and you wonder how much of it is what real, what it's not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well said. Well Danny, we're going to ask you about some Housewives things because I hear you're a little bit of an expert and you may watch a couple seasons. I watch way too much of it, Travis. Way too much. Somebody needs to stop me at some point. But Never. Yeah. Not on this podcast, Danny. We support it. We say quit your job and watch more Housewives here. That is our tagline. That's what I well, did. We... That's literally what he did. That's literally what I did. Literally what you did. Well, we are going to do some rapid fire of some superlatives for the Housewives from an expert who quit his job to focus on the housewives and it worked out so you know follow his lead chase so, your dreams chase your dreams <laughs> shoot for the stars shoot for the stars and these stars are on bravo now for the housewives i want you to give superlatives to the ultimate this is all Wait, time Travis, i'm like i don't know why i'm like so nervous i want to give like the best answer <laughs> so, easy. okay I, i'm easy. like notice i'm like shaking i'm like wait a minute i am nervous about <laughs> this <laughs> yes so these are for all housewives all time and there are no okay. wrong answers okay. because there's a lot of there ladies that can fit in all these <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Well, the, and if there is, we'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so housewives, who do we think is the ultimate shadiest number one housewife of all? I probably Kenya Moore. Kenya Moore. I think she, her and Phaedra were were are both expert level shade people. Fantastic. A plus. Fantastic. I okay, great. The most two-faced. Oh, the most two-faced. Oh my gosh. Um uh I think. I love Lisa Barlow, but I would say Lisa Barlow. I think she kind of just loves lives for the housewifery. And so I think she kind of will follow whatever she thinks is best for the show. Mm -hmm. um, and the way we saw her hot mic moment this past season with Meredith, I mean, it was, was one of the most two-faced things I've ever seen on any of these shows. And now I she's twisting it and she's blaming the network for airing it, like uh, in the, based on the reunion promo, at least, which I can't wait for. Isn't it delicious, Sarah? I love so it. I mean, good. that that moment where she's just railing on her friend of a decade plus <laughs> And it's like, whoa, you really thought this. I couldn't imagine Meredith watching it at home. No. Also, your mics are on. They're always on. And now you never know when Bravo's going to use the hot mic or when they're not going to use it or if they're going to show you talking to the producer, which they just did on Jersey. You never know what's mm -hmm. going to come out now. You do not. Um, which housewife drinks the most? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, um, I think Sonia... At this past season, she she rails it in, but I think when Sonia drinks, so right. she she'll usually she does a roller coaster, so she'll stop and then she'll start again, she'll stop, start again. But so I think it's like when New York she, is a collective, I think. <laughs> New York. I used to call it New York alcohol the TV show because it's really <laughs> you did say that. there have been a few seasons where it's just like every single episode, the entire cast is hammered. So, so hammered. Like when they were in the Hamptons and all those ridiculous outfits, they're like, what are we wearing? Just tanked, tanked all of them. Thank yeah. you for being so direct. Who has the best clothes? Uh, I used to love Carol's style on, on New York. I thought it was, it was, fa it was interesting and fun to watch, I think, or uh, in terms of Beverly Hills, you know, I don't love Dorit's style, but I love seeing what labels she's wearing because she's so <laughs> into her labels that I find it 
fascinating sociologically or something. <laughs> I, it's like, a, yeah. So I think Dorit's what I'm looking at most of like, is she, what is that label she's wearing? Well, yeah, yeah she, she'll let you know. It's she, usually all over it. She's not going to hide it. Yeah. She makes and, it nice, guys. She makes it nice. Dorit's <laughs> finances also are one of the ones that are confusing. So the ones when they like really go with the fashion and the brands and then we're just waiting for like, okay, when are we going to find out what's really going on here? It always makes me excited. And I don't know about you all, but I love watching to see some of the designers and see if they're fake. And there have been Instagram <laughs> accounts that literally like point mm. out because uh, a lot of times off the housewives will wear the label, but it's a fake, it's a whatever. And they'll be, they'll point out like a, I don't know, a misprint or something. Yeah. On the like label, the Fendi and I love that. on Karen Huger's dress. Live for that. Live Karen. for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was like, it was a lot of dress to be fake. Who do you think has the most unique sense of style? Who sort of dresses different, the most different of all of them? Oh, uh, good question. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, the most different. Uh, Mary Cosby, Mary Cosby from <laughs> Salt Lake City. She's also very into labels and she's very wealthy and has some great labels. But I feel like sometimes I'm like, what is that? Well, I also called the show Hoarders to go do a checkup on her. And Social Services from Prada <laughs> is also going to check her Hoarders closet because I had never seen anything like that. I would live for her to have an estate sale and just be able to browse that closet. Ugh. But that would be amazing. But, you know, you've watched her on the show. You know, that's never going to happen. Well, she doesn't, she barely leaves the closet. So <laughs> she'll be, she she'd be there selling. She'd it. be there yeah. <laughs> with her step grandfather, husband right there. I like the a lot of register. her. I like a lot of her stuff, though, but I do think it's sometimes it's it's a lot. Yeah. Who do you think is the best duo on the show? What team, when they pair up, are you the most excited about? I famously hate the duo because every time on Housewives, they think they're Lucy and Ethel and they point it out every single time. So whether it be Vicky and Tamara or I don't know, uh, Kim and Brandy on Beverly Hills, it's like they always uh, think that they're um, Lucy and Ethel. But so I would say my favorite duo is Karen and Giselle on Potomac because they're beautiful. They just have a great dynamic. Their scenes together are so explosive and they have this love hate thing going on. And that's more fascinating to me than two people uh, buddy hopping around and saying, oh, we're Lucy and Ethel, you know, Frenemies also, for the win. Frenemies for the win. And also I've been rewatching Atlanta season two. The best. And the Kim and Nene dynamic oh, is the best so TV of all time. I mean, and with Sheree Tense. in the next, but like it's, I mean, it's unreal. And there was like rumors at one point that we were going to get a Nene and Kim travel series a few years back. And I wish we would have gotten that because seeing those two together, television gold. And they said, they said goodbye wig to that show, which is just so sad. Bye wig. Bye, Close your legs wig. to married men. And they went on their way. Close your legs to married men. Don't be tardy for the party is obviously the number one best song. Correct. Yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, I love Luann's songs too, but don't be tardy. is just like a, an actually really good song. Yeah. And on display isn't as bad as people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm team Melania for best Bravo song. Oh, I, I don't want to grow up is my favorite. I quote it in everyday life. Do you remember when Danielle Staub had a song called Too Close that she did? I remember that Hex Hector remix with her lesbian lover. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Travis, you're speaking my language. Yes, <laughs> the dance remix was phenomenal. And also she did like a dramatic ballad on watch ballad version of it on Watch What Happens Live that was stunning yes, and constant live. to this day. <laughs> It was my mom went to her album signing in Provincetown and sent me a picture <laughs> of Danielle signing me a picture. And it says, stay positive. Love, Danielle. And like a glamour shot of her in heels. I still have it up in my home. Sure, sure. Uh, thank you, mom. And my last question is because we do a lot of fake celebrity fights here. Which housewife, all of them are in a ring. Do you think is going to win in a fight? Oh, my gosh. Well, I. Oh gosh. You know, who was a really good component uh, opponent and she was only on the season one time, Claudia Jordan, but to me, Nini's one oh, of the yeah. greatest housewives I think we've ever had, but there was this episode where Claudia and Nini were sort of going at it and Claudia, the way that she held her own against Nini, who's amazing. And actually in Dave Quinn's book, it was revealed. Uh, he has a book called the all diamonds and Rose, mm -hmm. which is sort of this oral history of the housewives. And I, I remember I might be quoting it wrong, but I remember him saying in the book, like Nini respected Claudia so much for that, because although they were feuding at the time, Nini was uh, recognized how it made such a great housewife. So she always stands out. I wish she would have had more time on the show because it, watching that scene, it was like Claudia was just 
great. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe she'd be more most underrated or something. And but that's who popped to mind when you asked me that. Oh, fantastic. Well, that you have done it. You have done it. Housewives oh. rapid fire. Was I okay? I was so Oh, you were great. Oh my God. You are a delight. I think okay. your knowledge is so micro. I thank love you. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is. And now we have more questions about your book, Danny, because we are literally oh, excited about it. And I don't know, Sarah Huron has read every single pop culture book and celebrity <laughs> memoir. So she is an actual expert in this field. So if she said she likes it, good review. Everybody buy it. Yes, everyone buy it. Come on. You your local bookstore, go to Amazon, wherever you need to buy it, buy it. Yes. And I haven't finished it yet because I just got my hands on it a couple of days ago and um, I had to read. How dare you? I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And usually I speed read celebrity books. It's kind of my one of my strengths. I can read a bachelor memoir in two hours and find the tea. But I actually like you and I wanted to read the book and I don't want to miss anything because it is filled with so many references. I was literally choking this morning thinking about your dad trying to do the Mighty Ducks flying V during your soccer game. And I just want to know, like when you sat down to write this book, what was your biggest, like, what do you want your, your reader to get? What's the biggest takeaway that you want the reader to get from this book? Ultimately, I just want people to have a good time reading it. I want them to laugh. And and you mentioned the pop culture references. I hope they'll, you know, nostalgia will be sparked with that kind of stuff. But I want people to giggle and laugh. And there's a little bit of drama throughout it, too. So I, I didn't shy away from the drama, but I mostly just I think everything's so tough right now. It's like I just want people to be able to read this by the pool or the, the beach on a spring break or something and have a good time and and hopefully get to know me better and then also relate to their own lives. I've heard from a lot of people, um, you know, there, there are some family stories in there that I, I like to think I, I tried to write sort of as like my version of like the vacation movies um, mm-hmm. with Chevy Chase or, you know, th- that's the kind of vibe I was trying to put out there. And I've heard from people who've read the book who, who said, Oh, I did that. I did that family vacation from Ohio to Florida. And, and I recognize my dad in that story, or, or I had a date like that, that um, mm-hmm. like you wrote about. And so I hope people also think about their own lives and, and some of their awkward or cringy moments, but ultimately I just want people to laugh and giggle and have a gay old time. Your family is in it. I mean, even from the parts that I've gotten to read so far, like a decent amount, did you have to like sit them down and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on blast, not putting you on blast, but like you're yeah. getting the book. <laughs> you know, I, I was very nervous for them to read it. I didn't let anyone see it until um, we, they got the copies, which was very, a couple of weeks ago, they got the copies and read it. And I was so nervous for my mom and my dad to read it, but ultimately they really liked it. And so I was, I was relieved when they, they said they enjoyed it, but yeah, I, I wanted people to laugh. You know, I grew up loving books like by David Sedaris, or I love Casey Wilson's memoir was mm-hmm. the more recent one or Phoebe Robinson. One. And I, I love, I, I love people being able to pick up a book and read a chapter of it and have a few laughs and then, you know, put it down or, or, or continue reading. But I wanted each chapter to be almost like a self-contained story. So um, yeah, my parents and my family sort of appear throughout in different stories, but uh, hopefully people relate to the the parental stuff. Oh, for when, sure. When I, you sat your parents down, were you like, okay, here's the worst passage first? <laughs> or did you just sort of give them a general sense of what was going on? You know, my dad was really excited about it. Like he he knew he was going to be in it and he was just thinking like, oh yes, I'm going to be in it. Like he was excited. My mom, on the other hand, she's a little bit more buttoned up and she's she was the most nervous uh, about what was going to appear in it. And she can be... Um, yeah, just more buttoned up. But my dad read it first. And I think he sort of guided her and told her, skip that chapter or skip that chapter. Um, so she didn't read. I don't know if she read all of it. She said she did, but I don't know okay. if she read all of it because there's a couple you know, there's a, a couple of date stories or, you know, there's, I don't know. There's I'm not That's shy tough. with my language. So yeah. there's, there's swearing in it and stuff. So I, yeah. I knew that my mom wouldn't like love that stuff. But ultimately, she said she liked. It. That's good. I mean, your mom also on the podcast. I feel like your your podcast listeners love hearing stories about her too, which are usually in your detours. And then the book has detours too, which I loved when I was flipping through it. I love that it. Cause that's one of the best things I think about your show is when you are talking, you're great, obviously talking about Bravo, but when you do share those personal stories, it's great. And the book is obviously like all detours, but then there's detours within the detours. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I really wrote it for fans of, of people who listen to my show and, 
and I, it was such a great opportunity for me to kind of like workshop stuff on my show. And, and I was touring right before the pandemic. And oftentimes people would come up to me and although my show, people come to it for real housewives, or I have celebrity interviews on the show. What I was finding was like, most often people were saying, Oh my God, that, that story you told about your mom and, and the, her the woodpecker. woodpecker yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what people Epic. were coming up to me and talking about and saying, Oh, that happened to me or this, whatever. And so those were the stories that I wanted to tell in the book because I realized that that's what people like the most. So uh, initially when I was going out with the book, uh, some certain publishers were saying, Oh, you should do a housewives book or something. And, and I, I kind of felt like, well, the, I'm talking to people and it's like, this is what people are relating to the most. Um, and it's a dream project of mine, what I've always wanted to write. So uh, it's been fun. And and then, yeah, there's ref, there's some housewife references in there and there's tons of pop culture and stuff like that. But ultimately, I think it's just something everyone can relate to uh, in different ways, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's you talk about coming out, you talk about depression, you talk about grief, you talk about waking up on vacation and staying, seeing your 12-year-old brother driving. You cover a lot of topics. There's was, a lot of topics. Was there one favorite thing or like chapter you're most looking forward for, for your, your fans or even new fans to read. Yeah, there's uh, I think um, my favorite story is this one about my boyfriend and I, we were on a, uh, a sort of a group dater with his boss and his wife and then a couple other coworkers. And it was right after I saw the movie Judy with Renee Zellweger. And I was just so obsessed with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we made a bet of like, my boyfriend said, there's no way you can go this whole dinner without bringing up the Judy Garland movie. And, <laughs> and so there's sort of this back and forth and, and it was a struggle and I ultimately wasn't able to win the bet, but um, people can read the story, but I, it makes me laugh a lot. And I think it sort of encompass, encompasses both the awkwardness and, and um, that hopefully people will find funny in these stories. And then also the pop culture. It's oh so my good. God. Go buy daddy's bug. We oh, yeah, love please. it. We love Thank feeling you. awkward and uncomfortable and then equating <laughs> it to pop culture. That is what yeah. we do on this podcast. Yeah, yes. please buy it. It'll be a good time. You laugh at the beach. It's an easy light read. March 8th, right? Yes, March 8th. And there's an audiobook or the hardcover. My boyfriend actually drew some pictures in the hardcover. So, uh, you know, it's, there's some <laughs> pictures throughout. A picture book? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to oversell that it's a picture book, but there are a handful of drawings. Amazing. Um, and you narrate the audiobook? I do. Yes. Oh, yes. Fun. So there's so that was a fun crazy uh, experience as well, but I just, I hope people read it and read it by the pool or whatever. Lovely. Well, after all of those touching things, we're about to go to the metaphorical boxing ring with a bunch (laughs) of celebrities in a little segment we like to call Celebrity Birthday Boxing Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we put celebrities in a fictional ring whose birthday it is this (laughs) week, and we say who would win in a physical fight. It is quite the game. Danny, I am not giving you the hardest one. I am giving you a light one to start it off here we have kesha formerly ke dollar sign huh who is turning 35 this week versus rebel wilson who is turning 42 this week uh, i'm gonna give it to uh ke dollar sign huh <laughs> just um you know I, I i'll forever think of her note in the song praying that oh, uh, was still so that <laughs> to me that could knock anyone out that's it's, a good answer well, well done sir um gwen flamberg we have a little bit harder one for you mm. we have lupita nyong'o the princess of this country because we still have another one and she's so amazing versus jessica beal with the arms of a female arnold schwarzenegger who is 40 years old this week yes yes this is a very <laughs> tough one travis and um a little bit um I'm equally sad uh, and very happy that you threw it to me because while Jessica Biel does have the body of a, you know, a female Terminator. Amazon, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o, she knows how to hang in Wakanda. And I think that she would have some tricks up her sleeve and she would knock Biel right out. Wow, the only person who could beat Jessica Biel in a physical match in the celebrity world. <laughs> True. Sarah, Sarah Heron, we have two male songbirds up for your consideration. We have Josh Groban, who turns 41 this week, versus Justin Bieber, who turns 28 this week. I mean, Justin Bieber would be more likely to get into the fight, but I'm going to go with Danny's strategy of Josh Groban could kill someone with a note, not kill, or get them out of the ring with a note. Oh my God. Well, he doesn't have a Kesha praying note, but yeah. God bless him for thinking he can. Yeah. Wait, and- he's 41. I'm sorry to interrupt. He's 41. <laughs> 
Carolina. is 41 okay. this week. That's why we play this game because yeah, it's fun to figure out how old How I mean, I always just are. think of him on the Oprah Winfrey show. Wasn't he like, <laughs> I don't know, 19 or something? I don't know. I always yes. just remember that. Mm-mm. He is 41 this week. Uh, Shout out, old. Josh Groban. Shout out, Josh Groban. And Danny, because you are our special guest, you get to pick <laughs> oh, the winner of the, the winner at the end. We have left in the ring Josh Groban, who just killed someone with a baritone note, 41 years old, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o, Princess and Wakanda Store, 39 years old, and Ke, dollar sign, huh, 35 years old. Okay, I just, I mean, I have to go with my original choice with Ka Dollar Sign. I can't stop saying, now I'm only going to think of Kesha. Yeah, she's Ka, um, you just ruined her name for me and I love you for it. Great. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, I'm going to have to go with my original choice because again, that note haunts me in the best of ways. Me too. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful angel is Kesha. Well, we were praying for Danny Pellegrino and we got him. So thank you to my host, Sarah and Gwen, and for to Danny for helping me spill all of this piping hot celebrity this week again this is travis cronin on us weekly's hot hollywood podcast with your weekly peek into the glamour glitter fashion fame of your favorite celebrities because after all everybody they're just like us and go buy danny's book how do i unremember this unfortunate true stories pre-order it now just so you don't forget march 8th it comes out but pre-order it now so you don't forget if you listen to this podcast you love celebrity gossip and feeling awkward and uncomfortable so go buy the book yes order it buy it read it order it time yes well thank you again danny you are such an it's nice nice to have a like-minded person who only cares about celebrity gossip and doesn't feel bad about it.